Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. We are still on safari, South Africa, our caravan safari. They are currently in a place called Kharip Dam, spelled with a G. And that means that we are in midstream of our caravan in South Africa. Our caravan uh, consists of 22 motorhomes that are rented, and that's a little bit different for us in terms of RVing, rented here in South Africa for our use during the five-week caravan, in which we will be going through most of South Africa. We've been traveling a, a set itinerary that we got at home and um, most days we drive between 200 and 300 kilometers. Um, most of the roads are in good shape and are very well marked so even a navigationally impaired person such as myself is not at ill at ease in deciding when to make a turn and uh, gas stations are frequent and uh, one difference between here and home seems to be that they don't put the prices out um, on placards so uh, while there does seem to be some ebb and flow of the prices you don't do the um, gas station roulette shopping like you do at home when you're trying to refuel your RV. And because we're in a caravan and in our RV, um, about half of our dinners have been supplied to us by our tour company, and the other half we supply by cooking them ourselves. And certainly shopping in the grocery stores here has been a real adventure. Um, although by and large, we can find most of the things that we are used to eating from home and um, enough weird stuff thrown in to keep it interesting. So uh, grocery shopping has been fun. A few things that are different from at home is when you buy fresh fruit and vegetables, um, you have to take it to a little person who weighs it, um, but they generate a little um, Scantron sticker that is uh, scanned by the grocery store clerk, so that is quite modern. And if you want to have your groceries bagged, you have to purchase the plastic bags that we recycle um, rather carelessly at home for one rand a piece, which is about 16 cents. So uh, those are two differences in terms of shopping decor decorum that um, we had to learn over here but otherwise it's pretty much the same as it is at home and we have found the the stores and the infrastructure here in South Africa to be quite uh, up to standards and you when many people think of Africa they think of bad and, and weak infrastructure poor roads with lots of potholes and and we have driven now uh, several hundred kilometers and it's been a, a pretty positive experience uh, these we are able to, to move right along without too much trouble in terms of uh, the speed limits and, and potholes and, and that sort of thing. Plus, uh, the roads are well marked and there are plenty of petrol stations. Uh, we have had some some problems with uh, the words because uh, many of the derivations are from England and uh, Britain so that we sometimes get a little confused because they have roundabouts or uh, traffic circles, which cause a bit of confusion sometimes, especially when you're driving on the left. 
Uh, Ken mentioned speed limits, and, and that's definitely handled differently here. You don't have um, police with a radar gun, but um, every so often there is a sign with the speed limit, and next to it is um, a sign of a little pictograph of a gizmo, which they call robots here. And these devices are triggered automatically um, if you break the speed limit, and they take your picture, and they mail um, a speeding ticket to your home. Very automated and very modern. In our case, since we've rented our RVs, we had to leave our credit card number with the rental agency, and the other day I did see a blinding flash go off in my face, and Ken admitted that he was five miles, no, five kilometers over the speed limit, and so chances are about a month after we get home, um, a speeding ticket fine will be deducted from our credit card. Very efficient. But of course, the speed limits are funny because it is uh, we are working in kilometers here, and so the average speed limit is 100, a fast speed limit is 120, so you have this kind of mindset of, of how fast you should be going and not the uh, 60s and 70s that we're used to at home. Refueling has also been an interesting experience, making us feel uh, like we have uh, reestablished ourselves in our youth because um, there is no self-serve gas here. Um, the gas stations are well populated with attendants who motion to us um, which, which pump we should use and where we should park. Uh, we're using diesel in this rig, but it's pretty commonly available. They refuel for you, and while they're pumping, they are uh, energetically cleaning your windscreen, um, windshield, and uh, some of them even have pails with soapy rags, and they'll clean your um, headlights and uh, are very attentive to your gas and your water and oil and all the things that attendants used to check for us many years ago in the United States. We heard that it's common practice to tip these guys a little bit, which makes sense for all the work that they're doing for you. When Ken has tried to give them um, a few paper bills and there's some change involved, they never keep it. They always come and try to give you the change back, and we have to assure them that the, the rest of the small coins are for them for the services that they have provided to us. So it's been a very pleasant experience. So a typical day here on the RV caravan, um, we start off in the morning with a briefing. The briefing uh, goes along with the road log that we have. The road log is a turn-by-turn, kilometer-by-kilometer description of where we are going. And, of course, as part of the caravan, this is a very nice service because and, and something you're paying for as part of the caravan so that uh, everybody will make it to the end because we don't travel in one long line of 22 RVs. We travel more or less at our own pace, which is something we really do appreciate. Uh, and that's the advantage of an RV trip as opposed to a bus trip so that you can stop, take pictures, have lunch, turn around and go back to the town that you were in, go shopping, you know, whatever you feel like doing for that day uh, is uh, is perfectly okay. As long as you show up at the campground at night, the, everybody is happy. If you want to do it with a friend, fine. If you want to do it by yourself, that's fine too. Uh, and the kilometer distances we've been doing uh, have been in the order of 250 kilometers a day, which would take, on decent roads, it would take you three hours or so. So if we leave at eight or nine in the morning, you have uh, actually a good part of the day in which to explore the region of South Africa. If you're on a bus trip, you know, you have to go where the bus goes and and do what the bus is doing, and you only stop at those pre-selected places. And that, to us, is a, is a serious disadvantage and, and a big plus for us to rent the RV and, and do it in the caravan. So, so by caravan, I don't mean that we all follow lockstep in a particular uh, 
we all follow lockstep on the route, but we don't follow lockstep uh, one right after another. And one of the reasons for that, of course, is that once we left uh, Cape Town, the big city atmosphere, is that most of the roads we've driven on have been two-lane, and to have 22 of us clogging up the traffic would be extremely inconsiderate. And one thing we do want to say is that drivers here in South Africa are very considerate and um, law-abiding, and uh, we, we try to reciprocate and do the same for them. Now, there are areas, uh, hillsides, where you might be climbing up fairly steep, and if there's a truck in front of you, it makes you slow down. But generally, those places have passing lanes. And many of the roads also have wide shoulders. So the courtesy here is the slow-moving traffic kind of drives on the shoulder, giving the fast-moving traffic um, a good view so that they know when to pass you. And people are quite good about doing that, and it makes driving a pleasant experience. So we travel for X number of miles uh, to the next campground, and uh, setting up camp is extremely fast for us because we plug ourselves into the electric, to the 10-amp electric 220 connection, and that's it. We're done. That's a full hookup site in South Africa. There are places where you can get water. Um, many of the faucets are not threaded, however, which makes getting the water from the pump into your RV a bit of a challenge. But if you look around and are paying attention, you can usually find a place to attach a hose and, and refill your water tank. The sewage is another problem altogether. I'll let Ken address that since he's had most of the experience with it. Well, as we mentioned last week, uh, these RVs don't have any uh, waste tanks, either gray or black. Well, <laughs> the black is interesting. Um, and so your gray water just goes splashing off onto the ground and making a little puddle under your RV. This has not really been much of a problem because unlike our RV at home, which is probably very similar to yours, uh, we usually uh, use its facilities uh, full-time. Um, we don't use the bathrooms that are available in the campgrounds as a rule. However, here we use the RV kind of to live out of. It's um, so small that it is difficult to for us both to move around in the bathroom. <laughs> it gets completely wet if you were to try to take a shower in it. So one of the other nice surprises has been that the facilities that are associated with the campground in terms of bathroom facilities are quite nice and definitely designed for a heavy use. At least the ones that we've been to. I'm sure our tour company has picked out nice campgrounds for us wherever possible. Yes, but we have been to national parks now and we've been to private parks and to what seems like a quite a variety of different places. And in talking to many of the locals, which is always fun, we have, uh, and that's something else we should maybe talk about sometime, is uh, all of the different uh, vehicles that we see in the campgrounds. And of course, one of the things we have to be a little bit careful about is when we talk about a caravan, we're talking about us uh, traveling in an RV group. RV is not a term that's used in this part of the world. Caravan refers to the actual trailer that you tow. And if you go to some websites uh, that are based uh, in England, you will see caravan websites. And we are not talking about the vehicle, we're talking about the travel adventure. So those two words are used, uh, even though they're exactly the same word, they're used very differently in, in the two countries. Anyway, back to our, our situation here in, in terms of uh, <laughs> how we handle water. We have about 25 gallons of water on board, which is a decent amount, and you could easily take a shower, but we find that, uh, and we have a hot water heater, so that that would be entirely feasible. But most caravans, i.e. trailers, don't have 
showers or that sort of thing built in. So people go to the wash house and to the <laughs> we could talk about that too. Go to the to the bathhouse in order to take a bath and to use the toilet and and generally the sinks and things, which we found you know somewhat <laughs> less convenient than at home, but certainly very manageable in terms of uh, our daily use. Now the Blackwater is a different situation because they have what's called a canister, and this is a um, porta potty disposing tank. <laughs> And uh, it's uh, we have 15 liters of fresh water used to flush, which is almost negligible because the flushing is about a cup that it puts into the uh, bowl. Then when you have filled your canister, and it has a little gauge on the side which tells you how much capacity is left, uh, you pull out the container, and it's very self-contained. It doesn't leak or otherwise uh, smell or have, cause any problem, and you carry it to a toilet and probably those of you who use a porta potty are familiar with this but I certainly wasn't and then you uh, to uncap the spout and push a, a button which lets air into the tank and all of the uh, the waste material now goes into the toilet which you then flush I wouldn't want to sit on that toilet after <laughs> that business, but everybody in the campsite is doing it, I guess, so that's the way it works. And then you uh, empty it out and uh, put a little chemical in to keep things from getting uh, too stinky, and then you uh, bring it back and reinstall it back into the side of the RV. So that's the only uh, tank that we have that's uh, for any sort of waste products. It has three RV batteries um, that are used to keep the refrigerator, which is uh, strictly 12 volt going and uh, that runs the fluorescent lighting system and frankly one of the things that we've had trouble with is knowing when we're plugged in because the electrical connections in campgrounds is well not up to code and not uniform. <laughs> well, well yes and of course they have a very strange plug but we we can get used to that you never can quite tell whether you're plugged in and we have learned we have to pay attention to certain pilot lights and like, the microwave if the microwave is on then we're, then we're plugged in uh, we were yesterday plugged in but not turned on or for one reason or another not working <laughs> for several hours and we didn't even know it. Uh, it's only when you come to do something that requires uh, the mains, which is the term for the shoreside electricity, that uh, you suddenly realize that you're not plugged in. I want to talk about a better smelling topic, um, laundry. We were told when we came here that doing laundry would be an iffy thing, and we packed accordingly, and uh, that's pretty true. Uh, I, I can't speak for all of South Africa. We've only been here a week, but it looks to me like laundromats where you do your wash yourself are not available, although there are places where you can take your laundry to have it done, but you need to be in one place long enough to have that happen, which hasn't been the case so far. And some campgrounds do have washing machines, but but these are good-sized campgrounds, and they have one, maybe two machines. And so just our group alone would, would tie up the facility night and day. So what most of uh, our people are doing, and, and that includes me, is um, taking advantage of some laundry sinks or using the sink in the RV and hanging out a clothesline and using clothespins. I feel like my grandma when I go out there and put the wash on the line. And the climate here is very dry and warm, and things dry in about 
half an hour and so that's the way we're doing our laundry for the most part. Now we have heard that in the next few days we're going to be in a town for two days and someone will come and pick up our dirty wash and for a small fee bring it back nice and clean. So um, staying as immaculate as you are used to being at home is not possible here but it's okay. It's okay. Maybe we should talk just to, for a minute to get off the technicalities of being in your RV and the differences that we've noticed uh, doing RVing here in, in South Africa other than the fact that nobody uses the term RV. <laughs> uh, recreational vehicle is not uh, a term that that's used here and we see very few motorhomes like ours. Um, as a matter of fact, a couple we've seen and nothing as large as you would as you <laughs> drive around a Class A type of motorhome. And this would be considered to be a Class C and as I think we mentioned, it supposedly sleeps five, but is comfortable for two. But we should talk a little bit about why we are here in South Africa and what we've seen in the last week or so in terms of uh, the itinerary and why you would want to come and, and go through this hassle and pay the money to, to come to South Africa. And certainly uh, we have done some exciting and terrific things in the last week. So far we've been to two national parks for viewing animals. One is called Addo Elephant Park which is pretty famous. I'd heard of it at home before I even thought about this trip. And another one called Mountain Zebra National Park, which is so small it isn't even in our guidebooks. And uh, from what we've seen so far, viewing animals in South Africa is very comfortable and very easy because um, these parks are, are full of roads. Some of them are paved, some of them are gravel. And uh, when you go through the electrified gate, and the park has an electrified fence all the way around it, uh, you stay inside your vehicle and you drive on any of these roads that are available to you and look for animals. And um, certainly in Addo, we were just thrilled to see elephants. Uh, we found the best place to view on the day we were there was a water hole. And this was a place for the um, animals to gather and drink and squirt water at each other. And it was just a thrill to be there and to see that. Um, in Zebra National Park, it was more of a plains kind of a setting. And uh, we are fortunate that we have pretty good cameras with pretty long lenses with us. But I think some of our fellow travelers took a lot of those pictures that are brown specks, black specks, and white specks at this park. Um, and of course, as the name implies, this was the place to see zebras. So very convenient, very easy, and because we're in our caravan independent of one another, you know, you could stay at one watering hole as long as you wanted. Uh, we all carry uh, little walkie-talkies, and every so often you could hear excited bursts of conversation as somebody had spotted an elephant or a wildebeest or a bontebok, all these animals that we're learning the names of, um, and, and then you would drive over and, and try to see it too. So um, it's a very safe, very comfortable, very easy way to see the animals you've always just seen in the zoo before and really fun. Very exciting and that's of course why we came here and I think we're going to work toward a kind of a crescendo of animal watching as we head up to Kruger in the next few weeks but we also have several very interesting uh, other stops which we will keep you fully informed of. As RV navigators we feel definitely a responsibility to give you a full report on South Africa so that you could decide whether or not you want to go for yourself. Uh, as she was saying about the, uh, the elephant parks, not only do they have uh, great infrastructure for viewing the animals, but of course we've been staying at the parks too. So they have campgrounds which are... Uh, <laughs> 
the full service cook campground with electricity that we've come to understand as, as a full hookup campsite. Uh, so you're just, uh, uh, just a few feet away from where the animals are. As a matter of fact, uh, the last one had a water hole that you could actually walk to from the campground. Being in the RV is just as Martha just mentioned, is a tremendous advantage because not only do we have lots of windows, but we have all of our camera gear and everything that you have with you so that if it gets cold or it gets warm or it gets you need a drink of water because we were out all day um, and or at least most of the uh, the afternoon uh, viewing the game and you can sit at any particular spot if it looks promising and sit there for the entire time that you uh, are there or you know whatever time that you want to and that that's really a pleasure you don't have to be at the mercy of uh, somebody else's decision making and of course you can make the wrong decision <laughs> sit there for a long time and not see anything well I think most people are pretty much guaranteed of seeing uh, game uh, the wild animals uh, because the parks are large but they're small in terms of of what the these animals are usually uh, used to so they're not at all tame and you're not allowed to get out of your vehicle even for a second they uh, and there these watering holes are kind of known as, as congregating places for the animals so you can be pretty much assured there goes one of the diesels right now and you can be pretty much assured that you will see game if you if you just drive around um, and even though we were here pretty much in peak season and um, as we've mentioned before it's currently April and this is the the dry season here at the beginning of the dry season the leaves are still out the Sun is in the north but it's low and uh, it's coming into winter for them but, uh, the the weather has been outstanding and so for viewing animals we've had great weather with uh, we could sit without having air conditioning on and we could we could put the windows down without feeling any discomfort. This whole idea of the animal parks is is one that intrigues me. Um, you can certainly understand why the animals just can't run wild all over the place anymore. Um, in particular, I'm thinking of the elephants. Um, elephants, we were told, eat about 425 pounds of stuff a day and poop about 300 pounds of it back out again. And, and if you were a farmer and a herd of elephants, even a small one came in your area, um, he he would they would wipe out your crop and you'd be very unhappy and they might even hurt you um, so you can understand why the farmers tried to shoot all the elephants because it affected their livelihood but on the other hand um, in the Addo Park when they finally formed it there were only 10 elephants left and what a tragedy that was so these parks seem to be large enough to give the wild animals um, room to roam and plenty to eat um, and keep the animals separate from the farmers and the farmers separate from the animals and uh, allow for peaceful coexistence. So this model that they have established here in South Africa seems to be a good one, and I hope that the rest of the world where large animals like this still live uh, can come to a similar compromise situation uh, so that both sides can be um, happy and have good lives. And that's uh, one of the differences that South Africa provides that's different than uh, the rest of Africa, based on what we understand, is that the rest of Africa, the animals are pretty much really running wild and that you really have to go seeking them and know, and almost have a guide so that you know where to go and when to go so that you'll actually see something. Whereas here, if you go to the national park and you travel on the roads that they have established, that if you stay long enough, you're going to see the animals because 
they are there in that confined space. And uh, Edo is is large. I mean, it's not small by any means. So we didn't. It wasn't like you can just drive around every corner and see elephants. But and we certainly uh, didn't see all 300 of the elephants that are there. We probably saw 50. And that would be a high number. And and we saw wildebeest. We saw gazelles. We saw the famous dung beetle. <laughs> yeah, they, we had warning signs when we came into the park that you have to be careful not to drive over the um, excrement that the elephants had left in the road uh, because it is um, the home and the breeding place and the dinner table of the dung beetle. And, um, and if endangered you, species. If you drive over the dung, you squash the beetle. And um, even though we made an effort not to drive over the dung, in many places the elephants like to use the same roads that we like to use and there was dung everywhere and squished beetles everywhere so we were trying to follow the rules but it really was not very easy to do so so this is ken your rv navigator from on the road in south africa and we will turn off the recorder now and uh, go back to some learning experiences talk to you soon this is martha wishing you good travels down the road